five of them were foolish, and five were wise. There are currently about 850 lighthouses in the United States, and of those, only half serve as active aids to navigation. And of those 425, only one as a full-time lighthouse keeper. And when she retires at the end of this year from her post in Boston, the profession of lighthouse keeper will be as extinct as network stations that actually tell the news. Now, being a lighthouse keeper in the early days of our country was tough work. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, not a lot of pay. $11,000 in today's money for a 24-hour day job. And the work was hard. They had to meticulously pay attention to the time. They had to constantly fill the lamps in the lighthouse with whale or herring oil. And they constantly had to trim the wicks. Because if you don't trim the wicks, then it starts to smoke. It was not an appreciated job. But it was a vital job, because if the lighthouse keeper did not do their job, if they fell asleep, if they got drunk on the job, whatever, people could die. We don't really talk about air traffic controllers until there's a strike or an accident. Now, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, you are the light of the world. You. The world's a dark place, as dark as the Atlantic Ocean at midnight. And until Jesus Christ, who is the glorious, eternal Son, returns, Christians are the lone bright spot in this dark world. And so if we are not light, we are useless. But if we are light, well then not only will we save ourselves, but we will save the souls of many others. Now Jesus tells a parable in Matthew 25, about keeping our lamps burning. He tells us that the baptized are like virgins. Now the reason why he uses that language is because all the baptized are called to be faithful to Jesus Christ until he returns for the wedding feast of the Lamb, which has no end. And he gives us lamps. Now this is great. In the book of Revelation, the churches are compared to lampstands. Every Christian is given a lamp. The question is, do you have enough oil? The question is, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? And it is an open question, because there are ten virgins, five are foolish, five are wise, and the hallmark of wisdom is just bringing enough oil along with you. So why don't the fools bring oil? Well, I can think of four reasons. I could probably think of more, but once you start to think about the lack of common sense, and if you think about it too much, then your own sense starts to go, so we'll stop at four. First reason why the fools don't bring enough oil. This is profound. You ready for it? It's because they're fools. <laughs> Playing the fool never looked foolish to the fool. He is wise in his own eyes. 
thinks he's the smartest guy in the world. It's like the guy who gets pulled over by the cops and he says, hey, buddy, you can't give me a ticket. You can't arrest me because I'm a sovereign citizen. <laughs> oh, world's smartest guy right there, right? Second reason why the fools don't bring enough oil is because they think that the bridegroom will come back right now. They do not account for a delay. And this really is the hallmark of a fool. They take one thing that is true, and they take it to the extreme so that it no longer becomes true. They hear Jesus say, I am coming back soon, and they don't consider a delay. And we need to be warned against this. Effective altruism is kind of a new philosophy. It's this idea that you should get as rich as possible in your early life, no matter how you do it, whether it's ripping off a bunch of investors for billions of dollars, selling cryptocurrency, and then naming a basketball arena in Miami after your company, and then going to the Bahamas. Okay, Sam bankman fried evangelized this philosophy. It's like, I'm going to get as much money as possible so I can give money to charity. Okay, that's the end goal. But where is Sam right now? Just got convicted. Wisdom is justified by her deeds. Sam was right about one thing. It's good to give money to charity. But he took that, and he took it to the extreme, so it's no longer true. We take one thing, like God's mercy, we take it to the extreme. We become more merciful than God is himself. We say, well, everybody goes to heaven. It doesn't matter if you have oil. It doesn't matter if you have faith. But it's really childish. I remember saying this to my mom. I think I was about seven or so. I said, Mom, if God wants us to love everybody, shouldn't we love the devil? And you can see the fallacy, but it's a childish thing to say. The answer is no, you shouldn't, because God is love and the devil does not love God. Okay, we take something that is truer than true, like the gospel, which is true. In Jesus Christ, our sins are forgiven. But if we take it to the extreme... Well, then it's not good anymore. It's like saying, well, yeah, you murdered somebody, but since in Jesus Christ you're forgiven, which you are, by the way, well, we shouldn't put you in jail either. And that is no way to run the world. That is a foolish way of thinking. Now, more to the point with our fools here in the parable, okay, they are like the real Christians in Thessalonica, and you see this in 2 Thessalonians, who thought, they took one thing, they thought that Jesus Christ was coming back tomorrow. And so what did they do? Nothing. They just sat there. They stopped doing anything. They said, well, if Jesus is coming back in a fortnight, I might as well just sit here and drink my Mount Olympus dew and play Fortnite and not do anything. Paul has zero patience for this. Okay, he says in 2 Thessalonians, and these are words to live by, if anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. <laughs> because it is foolish. Our virgins think the same way, like those Thessalonians. Jesus Christ is coming back tomorrow. So why store up oil? It's way easier to go somewhere without a backpack. It's like going on a road trip in North Dakota in the middle of January and not taking a full tank of gas, not having a blanket, not bringing a shovel, not bringing matches. Damn, who would do that? That is just foolish. It's like, yeah, you might make it, but if one thing goes awry, you're toast. <laughs> I can attest there is nothing 
out there, okay? So that's the second reason why. They think there won't be a delay. That's foolish. The third reason why they don't bring along oil is the most nefarious. What they are saying is, I will wait for the bridegroom, I will wait for Jesus, but only as long as this lamp's oil lasts. If it burns past that, forget it. <laughs> okay, it's like being in college again. You got an 8 a.m. and it's 8.05. See ya. <laughs> now apparently, if you have your PhD, you get more minutes. Does anybody know? Is it 10 minutes? Is that the rule? That might just be a wives' tale. I'm not sure. But most college students wouldn't wait for God himself if he was teaching the class. It is so short-sighted. There is zero patience. The foolish virgins can't see anything that is beyond their eyes. And now the fourth and final reason why. The foolish virgins don't bring along oil. They think if they do run out, they can just get oil at the last minute. Just ask my buddy over here. Hey, can you, can you spare some oil? It's people who think, well, if this whole Bible thing, if this whole Christianity thing is true, I'm always going to have time. I'm going to see Jesus coming back. I'm going to have five minutes, and then I can repent. You know, Homer Simpson once said to Marge, as they were going to church, Marge, why can't I worship the Lord in my own way? By praying like hell on my deathbed. It's the Homer Simpson way of thinking. It's so foolish because you will not be able to ask others for oil at the last minute. Okay, just because your parents went to church and your grandparents, just because your name's in the directory, that's not going to get you into heaven. You're not going to get into heaven on somebody else's oil. You have to have your own. You have to have your own faith. And so stop playing the fool. Here are four ways, then, to counteract this foolish way of thinking. First, don't be a fool. Be wise. And how do we do that? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's how you begin to get wisdom, the fear of the Lord. The reason why we are so backwards and the world is so dark is because we don't fear, love, and trust in God above all things. But if we started to do that, we would really start to turn things around. But it always starts with the heart. That's how we start with wisdom. Okay, the second way now to be wise is to not take one thing that is true to the detriment of everything else. Okay, we have to grow up. We have to be mature. We have to be able to hold two things that are true concurrently in our minds. And here's the deal. You have to be prepared for Jesus Christ to come back today. You have to be prepared for it. And who knows, you could die today. It's a possibility. And so repent right now. Don't put it off. You don't have time. At the same time, you need to be prepared for a delay. Because chances are, there is going to be one. We can't just sit here because Jesus Christ is coming soon. We need to build things. Now, I'm not a betting man, but if anybody wants to bet me a million dollars, I will take that bet. And you can say that Jesus Christ is coming back tomorrow. I'm going to bet that he's not. And if he does, well, that's fine. You can have a million dollars. It won't be good for you anyways because Jesus will be back. 
And if he does not come back, well, then I'm just that much closer to living in the Hamptons. Now, the third way to be wise is to be patient. God is worth waiting for. He makes promises, and he always follows through. Sometimes it takes a long time. But God's M.O. is waiting to the last possible second and then saving you. He brings the Israelites out of Egypt. Well, here come the Egyptians, and here's a body of water. Oh no, what's going to happen? The water's part, okay? God promises Abraham that he will have a son through Sarah. Well, Sarah is well past her menopausal years. Guess what? Isaac is still born. What good is hope if you only hope when things look good? That's not really hope. God promises Abraham that his descendants will inherit the land. Well, that took over half a century to fulfill. And then they got it. It took 4,000 years from Genesis 3 to the birth of the Messiah. 4,000 years. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law. God is worth waiting on. We can afford to be patient. We must. He has said, he has promised that he will come soon. And so he will. But in comparison to eternity, soon might be a million years. And now, fourth and finally, how we can be wise. Store up for yourselves oil. Oil is that which keeps the flame of faith alive. And oil is always associated with the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit who anoints with oil. It is the Holy Spirit who heals with oil. It is the Holy Spirit who keeps our lamps burning with oil. And he does so through the word and through the sacraments. And if you feel like you are running on empty, pray for oil. When is the last time that you asked God to give you more faith? Is God ever going to say no to that type of prayer? When's the last time that you prayed that God would start, stop the famine of the word of God that we have going on in our land? Is God ever going to say no to thy kingdom come? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more then will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you always.